Today's scripture comes from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor, Pastor John and his family are currently away uh, for vacation, so I ask you to continue to keep them um, in your prayers so that through this vacation, um, they'll be able to get refreshed, restored, rejuvenated physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, uh, so that they can come back even stronger and to continue their faithful ministry here at NCF. Can you join me in prayer once more? Father, I... Thank you so much that, that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Father, would you pierce the hearts of your people as you speak to them uh, through this message. And I pray they will fall on good soil. Um, and I commit this uh, time to you. Um, and I also ask that would you be with me. Uh, help me be able to communicate your word with clarity with boldness and conviction uh, that comes from you. God, we thank you once again for this time, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, this passage is one of the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. And as you can see, this church receives a harsh rebuke from Jesus for being spiritually lukewarm. But it was a much-needed rebuke and a wake-up call for them. But it's important for us to note that this letter was written not out of uh, hatred, but these words were written in love because Jesus deeply cares for his church. Um, I'll, be, I'll be making three points during this sermon. It's been provided for you in the bulletin. Uh, first is uh, what happened to the church in Laodicea. And point number two Beware, it could also happen to you. And point number three, the need for gospel wakefulness. Now, what happened to the church in Laodicea? We, we see here Jesus rebuking them by saying this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you are either cold nor hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus made it very clear, and he, and he was very upfront with them. These are harsh words. He's saying, because you are spiritually lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You know, they weren't always lukewarm. They were once on fire for God, passionately in love with God. 
Now, with that in mind, the question we need to ask ourselves is what happened to the church in Laodicea? How did they end up here? Now, during those days, the city of Laodicea was one of the wealthiest and the most self-sufficient economic cities in all of Asia Minor. It was the New York City of Asia Minor. This had been, the city had been prospering and, and, and flourishing and because it was known for three things. Number one, its banking institutions. It was a commercial hub for trades and business transactions because of its prime location. It was an economic center. Number two, it was also known for its textile industry. It was famous for its wool industry, and then they constantly exported this, and it was a a great source of income for the people living in this city. Number three, they were also known for their school of optometry. People from all over the world, if they they had a, a condition or problem with their eyes, they came to the city of Laodicea because this school of optometry was able to come up with this ointment. Um, which was able to provide comfort and healing to those who were dealing with discomfort or, or any conditions regarding to their eyes. As you can see, the city was filled with great resources. People were living comfortably, indulging in pleasure and luxury. They had everything in abundance. In 60 AD, a major earthquake um, struck this city and utterly destroyed everything. Everything was in ruins. So when Rome heard about this great you know, earthquake, they wanted to actually send them financial assistance to be able to send this emergency relief fund so that they can rebuild this city. But then the people of Laodicea, they actually refused to accept it. They're like, thank you, but no thank you. We got this. Uh, we, are, we are actually going to use our own resources to rebuild this city. And that's what they did. Using their own resources and funds, they actually managed to rebuild it far more beautiful than it had ever been. And they took a great pride in their self-sufficiency that they were able to achieve this. And we see this kind of, you know, prideful, you know, self-sufficient posture in verse 17, right? Where Jesus says, they're the ones who, who have been saying, you know, we are rich, we have prospered, and we need nothing. That's who they have become, extremely wealthy and self-sufficient. But having this much wealth and this prideful sense of self-sufficiency began to affect them spiritually. You know what happened? It extinguished their passionate love for God and ended up destroying their intimate relationship with God. So it triggered them to be on this quick path to becoming spiritually lukewarm. It was only a matter of time, and then they ended up there very quickly. Greg Beale, who is a New Testament scholar and a a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary, this is what he writes. When you come under the anesthesia of affluence, you become spiritually insensitive, numb, and blind. Self-sufficiency causes spiritual dullness, and that's exactly what happened. They led wealth. And, and this sense of um, prideful self-sufficiency, uh, they, let, they let those things consume their hearts to the point that they found themselves coming under this anesthesia of affluence, which made them spiritually numb, indifferent, blind, thus making them spiritually lukewarm. And when that happened, 
they were they were pretty much tell, telling God, you know, we don't need you. That was their declare. That was their you know declaring um, independence from God, because they had everything they needed. They were wealthy. They were surrounded by pleasure and luxury. They had, they had everything in abundance. They didn't feel the need to depend on God. Now, when you're living in a society like this, an affluent society like Laodicea and like New York City, and you have everything you need and even more in abundance, the chances are you will more likely come under the anesthesia of affluence. And when that happens, it will inevitably lead you to spiritual indifference and spiritual stagnation. You will no longer depend on God and you will begin to trust him less and less as you turn to yourself and try to be self-sufficient in your own Savior. Christ will no longer be at the center of your life. And this will be your way of telling him, I don't need you. I have everything I need. That's what happened at Laodicea. And it could also happen to us. And this is a reason why Jesus rebuked the church in Laodicea because it was filled with lukewarm Christians. Their love for God had been growing cold and their hearts had, and their hearts had become spiritually insensitive, numb, and indifferent toward God because they had come heavily under the anesthesia of affluence. And this is why Jesus called them out straight up. You are lukewarm. And because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my now, there's a reason why Jesus used the specific word lukewarm to describe their spiritual condition, which they could not see. Jesus could have called them disobedient, rebellious, but he used this word, a specific word lukewarm, and there's a reason why, because he wanted to make a point in a way that they would really, really get it. They would hit home for them. It was alluding to something. Now, the only thing this great city of Laodicea lacked was a good water supply. Unfortunately, this city, at best, had a lukewarm water supply. And I, I wanted to show you a map. And as you can see from this map, Laodicea was located in between Herapolis to the north and Colossae to the south. Now, the city of Herapolis was known for its hot medicinal springs. And people flocked there because it was actually good for your Health. It served a purpose. Now, to the south, in the city of Colossae, it was known for having this cold, pure, refreshing water. And then people loved drinking their water because it was refreshing and it was able to quench any type of thirst. But unlike the cities of Hierapolis and Colossae, people living in Laodicea had no choice but to pipe in water from elsewhere because they just didn't have access to good drinking water. So they created this two-pipe system uh, made out of stone, and they would try to bring in water from elsewhere. But by the time it got to the city of Laodicea, it was, it was filled with impurities, and it was lukewarm. So they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about here, because the moment they drank that water, they'll be like, ah, oh, disgusting. It's lukewarm and disgusting. You can't drink it. You know, years back, I, well, I was in a short-term mission trip to Eritrea. It's near Ethiopia in Africa. And at the end of the trip, the missionary offered, do you guys want to go to the Red Sea? So we're like, yeah, why not? Um, I, none of us will be able to part the Red Sea, but why not? We'll go. And when, hopefully we can have a day of rest there. So we go. But what he didn't tell us along the way was that um, we had to have, the Red Sea was actually at the bottom, and this, uh, the, 
the city that we were in was at the, the, the top of the mountain, and then we had to literally go down in spirals like this in a car. And we got in our cars, and, and we, were, we were heading down. And, and, and when we were on our way, the missionary <laughs> told us, you know, by the way, I know I, I didn't tell you guys this when we left, but a lot of accidents occur, you know, as, as people drive down this mountain in spiral, and some people die. Like, oh, great, great. But thankfully, we all made it. And by the time we got to the bottom, we had to drive through a, a scorching, you know, heat-filled desert. And it was so hot. It was well above 100 degrees. And we were just sitting there in our cars. And we were doing nothing but breathing but just sweating bullets. I couldn't believe it. It was just so hot and humid. And it was disgusting. And all we can think about was, okay, when we get to the Red Sea, we're going to jump in. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be refreshing. We cannot wait. So we wait hours. And by the time we get there, we jump in. Guess what? It was lukewarm. Salty. It was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. Made us more like disgusted with all the sweat. Now Jesus is referring to their lukewarm supply and saying, you know that water that you don't want to drink because it's disgusting? You know, when I see your spiritual condition, which you cannot see, that's how I feel about you. You're lukewarm and you're disgusting because of that. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And because they were spiritually lukewarm, they failed to live out the gospel. They weren't being faithful witnesses to the gospel. They didn't embody the gospel. Their lives weren't the gospel in action. And this is why Jesus is calling them out. And this is why Jesus is rebuking them in love. You make me sick to my stomach because you are lukewarm. You're not being a faithful witness. And because you are lukewarm, you're not living for me. And in love, he's calling them out because he wants them to be able to come back to him and renew their relationship with him so that they can continue to walk with him in this intimate and personal uh, communion with him. Now, unless we're careful, this could also happen to us. No one's exempt. Charles Spurgeon, he writes, no scripture ever wears out. The epistle to the church of Laodicea is not an old letter which may be put into the wastebasket and be forgotten. Upon its page still glow the words, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. This scripture was not meant to instruct the Laodiceans only. It has a wider aim. The actual church of Laodicea has passed away, but other Laodiceans still exist. Indeed, they are sadly multiplied in our day, and it has ever been the tendency of the human nature However, inflamed with the love of God, gradually to chill into lukewarmness. The letter to the Laodiceans is above all others, the epistle for the present times. See, the epistle, I mean, the church in Laodicea was filled with wealthy people living in abundance, living comfortably with pleasure and luxury. And when I see this passage, it reminds me a lot of, of us, the churches in America, Christians living in America. Now, John Stott, he once wrote as a solemn warning, the Laodicean church was a half-hearted church. Perhaps none of the seven letters is more appropriate to the 20th century church than this. It describes vividly the respectable, sentimental, nominal, skinned religiosity, which is so widespread among us today. Our Christianity is flabby and anemic. We appear to have taken a lukewarm As Francis Chan puts it best, I think living in America puts us at a serious disadvantage spiritually. 
We have access to so much stuff. And let's be honest, we tend to get caught up and consume with the things of this world, the possessions, the, all the pleasures, the luxuries, the things that, that, that we can actually um, acquire um, as long as we work hard. But unless we are careful, the anesthesia of affluence can actually make you and me spiritually insensitive, numb, and indifferent toward God. And if we continue to allow wealth and the possessions to consume our hearts, this will surely happen to us, just like it did for the Laodiceans. So many people came to Laodicea to start uh, their businesses, to make a living, to make a lot of money, and ultimately to make a name for themselves because they wanted security, they wanted stability, right? But living in this city also meant being exposed to a pagan culture. Now, they had no choice but to participate in idol worship in order to stay relevant. And they were willing to make a lot of compromises as long as they can stay on the path to becoming wealthy. And they eventually ended up looking more like the culture around them instead of standing out as Christians and bearing gospel witness. Make no mistake, this can also happen to you and me, especially right here in our city, New York City. You know, we often get tempted to turn to the things of this world to find our identity and self-worth. And let's be honest. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could make a name for yourself in this great city of New York to be able to make a mark here, to be able to rise to the top? I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome uh, if you were able to accumulate wealth and possessions far beyond your wildest dreams so that you could live comfortably for the rest of your life? fully indulging in luxury and, and pleasure that this world has to offer? I mean, isn't this why you work so diligently for the next promotion, for the next raise, for the next commission to be recognized so that you can become self-sufficient, having everything you need, and to be able to say, I'm able to get whatever I want because I'm self-sufficient. And you'll be tempted to make compromises here and there in the name of fame and success. So unless we are careful, we're going to find ourselves in the same path like the Laodiceans did. And then we're going to eventually find ourselves becoming spiritually lukewarm and wonder how did we get here. See, your faith will be tested. Your gospel witness will be challenged. And the question is this, how will you respond when that happens? I mean, it's so much easier and more comfortable to just go with the flow of our society, even if that means you just compromise your, your faith and just make compromises here and there, right? But as John Bloom puts it, you know, lukewarmness is the dying of conviction. And conviction often dies the slow death of thousand compromises. You may feel like, okay, this compromise won't hurt, but then it will lead to the next thing and the next thing. And then by the time you keep doing this, you're going to find yourself becoming lukewarm. The question is, you know, how will you keep yourself from becoming spiritually lukewarm? How will you fight the anesthesia of affluence so that you don't become spiritually insensitive, numb, and blind to the things of God? 
How will you avoid the danger of self-sufficiency to keep yourself from declaring your independence from God? I don't need you because I have everything I want in my life. This is why we need all of us gospel wakefulness. Because apart from the word and apart from um, walking with Christ on a day-to-day basis and spending time with him in prayer, we are going to end up just like the Laodiceans. And this is why we need the gospel. Now, turn to verse 20 and onward. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. In verse 20, he gives us this intimate picture of communion and fellowship. I mean, Jesus is calling out these lukewarm Christians in the, in the city of Laodicea and telling them, yes, you are lukewarm and I don't want you to be there. I want you to come and have this intimate fellowship with me again so that you can continue to live out your faith and be the witness that I called you to be so that you can be the salt and the light in that city. Now, how do we fight lukewarmness? How do we avoid being spiritually lukewarm? Well, by number one, by continuously renewing our relationship with Christ. Number two, by walking with him on a day-to-day basis, day-to-day basis, clinging to him, fixing your eyes upon him. Perhaps the gospel has become jaded in your own heart. I mean, if you grew up in the church or if you have been attending church regularly, you heard the gospel being preached many, many times to the point that you begin to kind of like shut, you begin to kind of shut it out and it becomes jaded. And this is why we need to have this gospel wakefulness. Another way of saying that is you need to go back to the word and then be reminded of just how much God loves you and what he has done for you on the cross. And you need to be deeply moved, and your hearts need to be utterly captivated and captured by the beauty of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. And we need to ask God to help us so that we can get to that place of intimacy and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's either that or we're going to be on this quick path to being spiritually lukewarm. And this is how we fight, right? Verses 17 18. I mean, this was, their, um, this was their model, right? I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Obviously, they have heavily come under the, the, the anesthesia of affluence. And, and also, couple, you know, you combine that with this prideful sense of self sufficiency, they became blinded to their need for Jesus Christ. That's what wealth did for them, along with pleasure and luxury. And they became completely blinded to their own desperate need for God. So here Jesus reminded them, you were once wretched, poor, and blind, and naked. And apart from me, that's who you were. But in verse 18 and onward, he reminds us of the aspects of the salvation. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself. The shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eye so that you may see. We need gospel of wakefulness. We need to go back to the gospel and be reminded of who we are in Christ, who we once were apart from him, that we were wretched. We were once objects of God's wrath, but we are now beloved and precious 
children of God. We were once spiritually bankrupt apart without him, but now in Jesus Christ, we have been blessed beyond measure in a spiritually because God has lavished upon us grace upon grace and spiritual blessings in Christ. We were once blind, but we now now see we we are no longer naked because God has covered our shame and guilt with garments of grace and with Christ's perfect robe of righteousness. We need gospel wakefulness because without it, we won't be able to fight this. Spiritual indifference, spiritual stagnation, spiritual lukewarmness. Now, you may be thinking, I mean, this is pretty harsh words. Like, you are lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Does that mean that Jesus is forsaking them? Absolutely not. He's rebuking them in love. He's pursuing them in love, right? Look at verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. He's rebuking them in love because he loves them. This is not a threat. This is love. And this is how he loves. And he's calling them out in love. He's pursuing them in love, seeking personal and intimate fellowship with them. John Piper writes, Do not measure God's love for you by how much health, wealth, and comfort he brings into your life. Measure God's love for you by how much of himself he shows you and gives you to know and enjoy through it all. Perhaps you've been lukewarm for a while and you're wondering, how did I get here? I mean, for Laodiceans, it was wealth which led to this prideful self-sufficiency which led them further away from God to the point that they were spiritually lukewarm, insensitive, numb, and blind to the things of God. But what about you? What's keeping you lukewarm if you are there? Something to think about and be honest with yourself. But here, Jesus, just as he has called them out and beckoning them back into his presence, he will do the same for you. But on our own, left to ourselves, we will not be able to come out of this anesthesia of affluence. We cannot. We cannot on our own. So we need the gospel to shock us out of it so that we can wake up. That's why we need gospel wakefulness. The only thing that can shock us out of the anesthesia of affluence is the power of the gospel and God's grace. And at times, this shock will come in the form of pain and suffering in the form of a trial. Sometimes God will allow you to go through a season of pain and suffering. But if that season of pain and suffering or if that prolonged trial leads you closer to God and and enable you to see yourself, you know, honestly, and then you you become even more dependent upon God, I mean, that is the most loving thing that God can do for you. As painful as, you know, that season of pain and suffering might have been, but if you end up, at the end of that, you're able, that shocks you out of this anesthesia of affluence and then that brings you closer to God. That is the most loving thing that God can actually do for you. That's how he loves. In verse 19, Jesus commands us to fight lukewarmness by being zealous and through repentance. See, apart from the word of God and prayer, this is simply impossible. So I want to encourage and challenge you 
if you haven't been reading the word regularly and if you do not have a consistent prayer life, and then you're wondering, why am I so dry spiritually? Why am I not on fire for God? How come I don't feel this, you know, intimacy with God? I mean, there's your answer, right? I mean, I understand that, you know, being, living in New York and working in New York, I mean, we're, we're pressed for time and we don't have time to, to, to do everything we need to do for the entire week, you know. I feel the same way. But if you're saying I'm too busy to read the word and, and to be still and pray with God, you know, I have a quote for you. It comes from John Piper. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, which I added, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. I think if you're intentional about it and if you discipline yourself, you can always make time. I mean, when I want to do something that I love doing, I always make time for it. I think the reason why we have a hard time setting aside um, a space where we can come before God and to commune with him, to have this intimate relationship with him is because perhaps our, our love for God has been growing cold for whatever reason, and, and we need to fight this, right? R.C. Spohr writes, if Christ could make a complaint, it would be my bride never talks to me. My bride never talks to me. Do you read the word? Do you have a consistent prayer life? Something to think about. Now, there are some of us maybe here. You've been lukewarm, and maybe some of you are here and you don't even know that you're lukewarm. But if there are some of you here, you know that you're lukewarm, and maybe it doesn't bother you. You're actually content being lukewarm. In fact, you like being lukewarm because being on fire for God would demand too much sacrifice. You know, life will get too uncomfortable and unpredictable. So with that in mind, you would rather be lukewarm so that you can follow Jesus comfortably in your own terms and do the bare minimum for his kingdom. Perhaps, you know, that's you. You have just enough God in your life to go to heaven. And now that you have God in heaven, you just want to do your own thing for the rest of your life, indulging in the things of this world and whatever you wanted to. But is that what the Christian life is all about? This one God-given precious life that he has given us. You know, he's calling us to, to go and, and fulfill the Great Commission, to live for his kingdom, to live for his glory. You know, God not only takes great delight in you, he also takes great delight in using you to do his kingdom work. And God is already at work here, and he wants us to participate what he has already been doing. You know, Christian life is not just about us going into heaven. There's a communal aspect. I mean, God is living... God is calling us to live for him and for his glory. And, and the more you catch fire and then the more the gospel wakes you up out of this spiritual slumber and then as you continue to commune with him and when, when your heart catches fire so that it's burning passionately for him, when you get to that place and as your life and, and your identity is firmly grounded in the gospel, it will be crazy in the sense that Whatever that you thought could fill your heart, you fill in the blank. 
when the gospel and, and, and his presence come into your heart, it will be amazing. And you will never look back and turn to these things because you know Christ is better. And he alone can satisfy the inner longings of our hearts. So the question I have for you is, what is making you lukewarm? What is keeping you lukewarm? You need to be honest with yourself. For Laodiceans, it was wealth, possessions, this prideful sense of self-sufficiency. Perhaps you're struggling with that here, especially in New York City. But for some of us, it could be something else. I mean, but what is it? What is making you lukewarm? What is keeping you lukewarm? And I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. Perhaps you've been lukewarm for a long time and you want to come out of this season of dryness spiritually, but you don't know what to do. Then I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. God, please set my heart aflame with passion for you. And this is the key. Do whatever it takes to make this happen in my life so that I will not be spiritually lukewarm, indifferent, insensitive, and numb again. And please help me to keep the fire burning in my heart. I dare you to pray that prayer. It's a scary prayer because whatever it takes, that means his grace can come into your life in the form of a trial, pain, sorrow, brokenness. But if that leads you closer to God, if that leads you to have intimacy with God, I mean, that is grace and that is love. And I also challenge you and then plead with you to do this more and more. As Matt Chandler writes, you know, continue to fill your life with the things that stir your affections for Jesus and cut out what robs you of those affections. And we need to discipline ourselves to do this more and more each day. If that thing's getting in the way of you remaining faithful to God, walking with him daily and falling in love with him passionately, get rid of it, whatever that thing is. And if you have a hard time letting go because it has, it has eventually become your functional idol, then ask God to remove those things away from you so that you can go back to your first love and rekindle that love and continue to walk with him passionately so that you will no longer be spiritually lukewarm so that you can continue to live out boldly, courageously for Jesus Christ where he has placed you, whether it be your workplace or your campus, so that you will stand firm in faith bearing gospel witness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that, that you are faithful and that you love your people. Father, forgive us if we have been lukewarm. But Father, we ask that would you help us? And if needed, would you do whatever it takes to help us come back to you, to renew our relationship with you so that we can have that intimacy once again, so that our hearts will once again burn passionately for you, Lord God. Father, there's so many things in our lives and in this world that can uh, continue to keep us from seeking you wholeheartedly. But we ask that would you uh, continue to be with us and walk with us so that um, if we cannot, would you take, remove those very things from our lives, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your relentless pursuit. Thank you that you, do, you will never, ever forsake us. 
Thank you that you will remain faithful until the end. God, we love you. Thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, let's continue to worship God as we